Good morning. Welcome to Connect Church. Uh, my name is Dave. I am the lead pastor here. And uh, I want to start this morning's message by just saying Happy Mother's Day to all of you mums in the room this morning. Um, I will need to explain very early on in my message here, uh, even now as some of you are glancing around looking for these plants that I'm referring to, that mums, uh, where I come from, are moms. Okay, so, but I say mums. All right, so uh, this morning you uh, entered a, a foreign land as you came here to connect, and you are now mums for the rest of this service, okay? So uh, that's awesome. M-U-M, mum, that's how we say that, where I come from. So uh, happy birth, happy Mother's Day, happy birthday, happy birthday as well, if it's your birthday on Mother's Day, but especially happy Mother's Day to all of you mums. Now, um, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out as a dad how it is that Mother's Day just seems to be such a bigger celebration. Have you noticed how mums get like real special treatment? Father's Day is just like, hey, dad, you know, and uh, I, I kind of figured it out. I came across this chart this week. If we can put that up on the screen. These are the questions we ask mom. Where's my shirt? It's in a, these are the questions we ask dad. Where's mom? So, uh, so I do think that probably when you tip the scales a little bit, the, the reality is that mums do require a little bit more. Um, but, you know, dads are heroes too. You know, for us dads today, it is a difficult day because we have to navigate that very tricky divide of, of making sure that we remember our mums, but not forgetting the mother of our children. You know, so there's these two very important mums in our life that us dads are, are trying very hard to make sure that we don't uh, choose one over the other. I'm very fortunate Mother's Day in England was two months ago. So I'm, I'm in great shape. So I don't know why that is, but my mom, she got her flowers and card a couple of months ago. And then the mother of my children this morning got some wonderful gifts too. So, um, but mums, they are awesome, aren't they? They deserve to be celebrated. They're caring, they're loving, they're nurturing. And, and the best thing about mums is that, that very often they pretty much do stuff that only mums can do. Only mums get away with it. If you were here at the beginning of the service, you'd have seen Jimmy Fallon did a little uh, piece there on mum quotes, stuff that only mum says. If we were to go around the room this morning, I'm sure every one of us could tell a story of something that my mum did. Like, ah, oh, where'd, you where'd you hear what my mum did? Um, I heard a story this week about a guy who said that um, his mum was always trying to make birthdays special for him. So one year she thought it'd be really cool to put a life-size inflatable clown in his bedroom. So when he woke up in the morning, it would be like a cool birthday surprise. Oh, wow, an inflatable clown. He says, you have never known fear until you wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, and, and in the darkness, you can just make out a man dressed as a clown who's watching you sleep. There's never something scarier than that. So great job, Mum. I know your heart was in the right place, but sometimes mums, you know, they kind of do mum things. But we want to honor and we want to bless all the mums that are here this morning. So we've got a special treat for you. Uh, I have some kids set up at the back there with some gifts. So if you're a mum here this morning, would you raise your hand? Because we've got a little gift we want to give to you. So stick your hands up, mums, wherever you are. All right, kids, come forward and start giving out those uh, gifts. <laughs> Here they come. They're uh, on their way now. We've got a flower for every mum in the house. But let me tell you something we want to do this year at Connect to kind of tie in with our philosophy here as a church. So in the past, we've done gifts and different things like that. But um, attached to every flower is this card. And the card says that Connect Church would like to donate $5 
in your honor to my sister's house. Now, it's not my sister's house. There's an organization here in Washington that's called My Sister's House. And My Sister's House is a home just up off the square that two or three years ago, um, a family here in Washington felt God leading them to do. They renovated that home, and they've turned it into a transitional home now for single moms. So single moms who are maybe going through a rough time, they need to get back on their feet, they have this opportunity through my sister's house to go and through donations from the members of the public and from churches, they're able to allow those ladies to come in and stay for a period of time free of charge just so they can kind of turn their lives around. We think it's fantastic what they're doing. So what we thought we'd do this year is in, in honor of every mom that's here, we'll donate $5. So I think we're going to raise quite a bit of money here this morning. There's a lot of mums in the room. So I hope mums you're okay that uh, all you got was a flower, but I think you'll uh, be happy to know that that money is going to go to help some, uh, some great single mums. So, And then before I really kind of dive into my message, I want to just do one last thing here as well this morning. So I'm very aware that, you know, Mother's Day has uh, been building, kids have been out writing cards and buying presents and getting everything ready, but I, I'm also aware that maybe for some, Mother's Day can be a difficult time as well. Maybe this year at Mother's Day, it's the first Mother's Day you've had where mum's not around anymore. Maybe when you grew up, your experience of, of mum wasn't a great one. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you desperately want to be a mum, but, but for some reason that hasn't come to pass yet. And, and I want to be sensitive to you this morning, so I'd like to just pause here in the service and just pray for those that, that Mother's Day brings a little bit of pain and sorrow. So can we just pray? Father, I pray for all of those here today, Lord. They could be uh, um, parents or kids, men or women, Lord, but um, individuals who Mother's Day also brings us a sense of sorrow, a sense of sadness. Maybe there was a loss in this last year. Maybe there are some mums here who have experienced losses in their lives. Maybe there are some here who desperately want to be a mum, and, and that hasn't happened yet. So I pray for all of them this morning, Lord. Would you um, just come and wrap your loving arms around them? I pray they would experience your peace and your grace and your mercy and your hope in this time. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us through every chapter of our lives, through the highs and even through the lows. In fact, Lord, even as we were singing this morning, Lord, sometimes we, we sense you even more during those tough times. So, so be with those this morning, Lord, that if they are here and Mother's Day brings just a tinge of heartbreak or sadness, be with them and let them know your peace and comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the past few weeks, especially if you're visiting here this morning, I want to kind of catch you up on where we are. We're in a series called Losing Your Marbles. And um, the idea is that we've, uh, we've been using these marbles as an illustration. There's a marble right here that I pulled out of that jar. And uh, we've been using this jar of marbles to illustrate the fact that there are 936 marbles. And those 936 marbles, they represent the 936 weeks that are in the life of a child from the time that child is born to the time that child graduates and moves on, graduates high school and moves on to the next chapter of their lives. And that for many of us here this morning, whether we're parents or grandparents, uncles or aunts, neighbors, um, coaches, teachers, wherever we find ourselves where there is a child in our lives, is being aware of the, the limited amount of time, the fact that these 936 marbles each week, a marble will go no matter what. So we've been looking at that through the context of this jar of marbles. Now, 
the more uh, observant of you will be looking on thinking, those jar of marbles looks different than last week's jar of marbles, and you'd be correct. This isn't the original jar of marbles. The original jar of marbles was in the church van, which I had to drive uh, this week for a couple of days. So um, I had to go and pick up my boys from school one day, and uh, I was picking them up in the church van, which they always enjoy. That's really cool for their friends to see. So I, uh, I, I was driving up to the school to get them, and the jar of marbles was on the floor in the passenger seat, and I didn't realize as I turned the corner that they weren't really kind of settled straight, and I heard the worst noise you could ever hear in your life. It's the sound of 936 marbles tipping out of a jar and rolling across the floor of a van and into the the wheel well, the, the well there, whatever you call it, by the side of the passenger. It was like, I just went on forever and ever and ever, and it just wouldn't stop this awful noise. So I get to the school, and I pull up, and my boys come out as usual, so quickly I lock the door. Because there's no way I want them opening that door. So, so, so one of my sons, I, I, I won't say which one, because um, I'm sure it would embarrass him, but he likes to ride up front because he's the oldest. And uh, he came, and um, he, he went to open the door, and it was locked. So I'm like, go to the side door. Don't go that. Go to the He's like, whoa, whoa go, to the, go to the side. So finally, he goes to the side door, and I unlock the doors, and he opens it. But rather than getting in, he pauses, and the teacher sees me, and I say, hey, how are you? And he's like, hey, and we just chat for a little bit. Well, in this pause, Ben's like, oh. <laughs> One of my children is like, <laughs> I'll go around the front door now. Yeah. It was like one of those slow motion moments, like, as I saw the door start to open, and then, like 936 marbles falling out of the van, along with the jar, smash into pieces, shards of glass, marbles, all over the sidewalk in front of Central Grey School, where all the parents pull up to pick up their kids. That's, that's a moment in the life of my child he'll never forget. So I pulled the van forward, and fortunately we had another empty jar in the van. We have jars everywhere. So we, uh, we started to uh, pick up the marbles and separate them from the glass and put them one by one back into the jar. But you know, as a pastor, I'm always hoping and praying that the series that we teach here at Connect will be meaningful and impactful upon you. And, and I've got to say that it, one cool thing about this is, is it, I could really tell that people were paying attention to this series because several of the kids, as they came walking out, were like, hey, those are the marbles from church. Those marbles are from my church. It's like, cool. Mums driving by in minivans, slowing down to, to put their window down. Hey, Dave, you're losing your marbles? <laughs> and pulling right along. So... Uh, yeah, our next series is going to be on servanthood and how Jesus would have stopped and helped me pick up my marbles. But uh, it was encouraging to hear how people were really connecting with the idea that I'd lost my marbles right there in front of Central Grade School. So I do have a new jar. We've probably got somewhere in the region of 900 marbles in there. I'm sure there are some still rolling around outside Central Grade School. But over these last few weeks, we've been focusing specifically on some words in relation to these marbles. So week one, we talked about the idea of time right here. We talked about the idea that, you know, this time is going to go quick whether we realize it or not. You know, I've got some parents I'm looking at right now with, with infants in their arm. Their jars are, are way full and they, they can't imagine how quickly that time will go. But I know that there are others of you here this morning who maybe your kids have grown up and they've graduated or they're teenagers and you're like, seriously, it goes so quick. So we talked about making the most of the time that we have. And then the second week... Josh, who was up earlier doing the announcements, he talked about words. 
he explained, you know, we have the power to, to use words that will build up and encourage or use words that will destroy. And we've really got to choose carefully the words we have because we only have 936 marbles. So we have to be intentional with the words that we choose to use in the life of the child in our lives. Then last week we talked about tribes. The fact that, that, that like us, kids want to be a part of a tribe. They want to feel like they belong somewhere. And one of the greatest tribes that we can help connect kids connect in is the local church. This is a tribe where they can come and they can, they can learn from one another and they can learn from wonderful volunteers and wonderful leaders just how much God loves them. And, and we just were so excited that you as parents have made that commitment or grandparents to say, we're going to bring this child along to this tribe we call the church because this is a great place for them to grow up and learn about all the great things that God has for their lives. You know, it's been such a great series because it's really helped us all to be intentional. Someday when my kids are growing up, I want to be able to look back with as few regrets as possible. But as important as time and words and tribes may be, I would suggest this morning that without our last word, nothing else would really matter. Because our last word is love. If it weren't for love, none of the others would matter. This is such an important word, isn't it? It's such a huge part of the culture that we live in. Think about it, without love, half the songs written by Elvis, Elton, and the Beatles would just disappear. They wouldn't exist. We'd have no songs by Barry White. He would just cease to, disappear, cease to exist altogether. Rock and roll would just be a bunch of guitar solos, and country would be songs about beer and tractors and nothing else. <laughs> this is really important. Love is a huge part of our, of our culture and our society, and I, I love love. You see... Love is the best idea that ever came along, and love was God's idea. He's the master innovator, and he placed love into the very fabric of every one of our beings. Because think about it. Everyone is created to need love. Everyone is designed to, to pursue love, and we're wired, aren't we, to connect with one another in loving re re relationships. Love is huge, and we couldn't wrap up this series without talking about the importance of love over time in the life of a child. And what better Sunday to talk about the concept of love than Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a great opportunity to speak about love because we can all look back and think of, of mom and the great love that she showed. Even those of you here this morning who maybe um, your, your upbringing, it wasn't a great example of love from mom. I bet you can still think back to a mom. It may have been a neighbor or a teacher or a friend, but there was a mom, and she just demonstrated just love in such a wonderful way. You see, moms do this best. They love, they nurture, they care for, they, they empathize. They just capture everything that we think about when we think about love. So what greater day than Mother's Day to talk about the idea of love over time in the life of a child? You know, there was a guy in the New Testament whose name was Paul. Now, Paul was quite famous. He actually wrote most of the New Testament. A lot of the books in the, the New Testament that you've read were written by Paul. And yet, at one time, all Paul knew was hate. You know, he hunted down Christians. He had them arrested and killed. He mocked a Jesus that he'd never met. And then one day, Paul came face to face with Jesus, and it pretty much wrecked his life. 
And as a result, he then went on to become the key contributor to the cause that he once opposed. He actually became a leader in the early church. He traveled all over the ancient world, now spreading the love of God instead of the hate towards God. He actually penned some very famous phrases that you'll be familiar with, one of which I'm about to read, and and I think if you've not heard it in church before, you may have heard it at a wedding. It's found in a letter he wrote to a church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 13. He says this, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, of the greatest of all three of these, is love. Love is the most important. Love matters the most. Everything else pales in comparison. So I think we can all agree here, especially if we're already kind of think of this in the context of the, the child in our lives. I think we can all agree that love matters and love is important. And probably every one of us is already thinking of ideas of, of how I can love more or how I can make sure that the child in my life knows that they are loved by, by their father, by their mother, by their grandparents this morning. But I want us to move past the the good intentions to actually being intentional with the way that we love the kids in our lives. That's what I want to speak about this morning is the way that we love the kids in our lives. Because love over time is going to make a difference. So today I want to focus on on the way that we love. The way you and I love kids can, can dramatically impact them for the rest of their lives. You know, the love that we pour into the lives of our kids, it's like an investment Have you ever heard Dave Ramsey or or another financial guru like that? You know, they talk about investing and they talk about this idea that, you know, if your goal is that one day you want to retire and be a millionaire or you want to retire and have money in the bank, then the key is to, to start investing when? Early on. They'll say the sooner you can start investing, even if it's just a small amount, the sooner you can invest, the more you'll benefit at the end of your life. Do you know a small investment Even a small investment early on in the life of a child can yield great returns over the life of that child. Here's what I believe. I believe the sooner you start paying in, the greater the return will be later. I also believe that the longer you wait, the less you will earn. You see, kids desperately need adults who will love them in a way that powerfully shapes their future and who they one day will become. Paul wrote another letter uh, to a group of believers in a city called Philippi, to a church there, and uh, you can read about them in a book called Philippians in the New Testament. And listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. He says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. And listen to what he says when he's talking about the idea of love. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul is saying, listen, when it comes to love, love always puts the other person's interests before our own. Love is about preferring meeting the other person at their point of need. So when it comes to love, we have to understand that every single person is unique. The way you feel and receive love may be very different from the way I feel and receive love, or the way this person does. The reality is there's no cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all way to love. This is true of you and I, and it's true in the life of a child. So this morning, I want to ask this question. How do I go beyond just having a desire to let the kid in my life, let them know that I love them? And how can I find a way to love them the way that they 
feel loved. The unique way that, gave, that God made them to feel and experience love. You know, you may have heard of this, this concept before, but there was a book written a while back, and it was called The Five Love Languages. It's a very famous book, and um, the book was written to help couples in relationships, and it was talking about the fact that, you know, in, in every relationship, the husband and wife are very different, and, and um, they will give and receive love differently very often than their mates. And it goes through these five different love languages that, that very often the husband will find are different than the wife, and it helps them connect because of their, their differences. Well, it was such a great concept, and so many couples benefited from it, that there have been many revisions of this book over the years, and even adaptations of it. I found out this week that there's a, there's a version of the book called The Five Love Languages of Children. The Five Love Languages of Children. In it, the authors break down the love languages in terms of kids. And I was able to, to kind of, as I studied this, and I'm going to help you this morning, to, to come to the conclusion that even my own children have their own unique love languages. There are ways that they feel and experience love that may be different than the way their siblings feel and experience love. I think by discovering the five ways that our kids feel loved, it will help us not only love the kids in their lives, but love them in the way that they need it. If there is a limit to how long, if there's 936 weeks, then let's make the most of that time that we have with the child in our lives. So let's look at these five love languages, and as I go through them, think about the child in your life. Maybe you'll start to think, you know, that is exactly my, my grandson. Man, that is my daughter to a T. I can totally see that in her. So, so as I go through these five love languages, hopefully you will uh, start to identify some of these with the child in your life. The very first one is physical affection. It's the first love language they talk about, and, and thinking about that in the context of a, of a child, you know, straight away, I think we get a hugs and kisses, and the idea is that that probably is the most common way to express that love language, but there are other ways too. There are other ways to, to demonstrate physical affection between an adult and a child. It could be anything. It could be as simple as um, dad spinning his seven-year-old daughter round and round in circles, it could be grandpa wrestling with the grandsons. You know, maybe you've been there where the kids just want to climb up on top of grandpa and, and you know, they're all tackling him and, and jumping on him. And that's just kind of, that some kids, that physical affection, that's their love language. It could be mom snuggling up to read a story with, with her three-year-old on her lap. It could even be dad who's, who's playfully tossing his son up in the air and catching him. Now, a little warning on that. I did have a friend uh, who was doing that once in his, uh, in his living room at home. Wasn't aware that he was as close as he was to the ceiling fan, which was running at the time. And on the first couple of throws, everything was fine. The second throw, <laughs> you know, hit his head. And true story, he, he caught the sun, passed into his wife, and just fainted there in the living room. He was so terrified that he'd, he'd broken his son. So, um, but fortunately, he came back around. His son was fine. Um, I think that probably eliminated the um, physical affection as a love language from his life forever. But aside from that, he grew up pretty healthy and strong. So, but even that is just a sign of physical affection. And you might be here this morning thinking, well, that's, that's obvious. You know, we, we all do that. But you know what? Studies have been done that show that in most families... When it comes to physical touch, very often the only time that happens between a parent and a child is when it's necessary. So when they're getting them dressed in the morning, when they're putting them in the car, when they're carrying them to bed. And very often people can kind of respond by saying, well, I'm just not the touchy-feely type. 
You know, that stuff doesn't come naturally to me. But again, it's not about what's natural to us. It's about putting the interests of the kids in our life above our own. This may be something that they really um, express love through, through physical affection. So it's our way of saying, well, maybe even though that's not me, I know this is a way of really expressing love to the child in my life. You know what? For others, not so much. For others, for other kids, it might be words of affirmation. That's the second love language. The second love language is words of affirmation. Josh talked about this, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago, how, how powerful words can be in the life of a child and how we have this responsibility as adults to say, you know, to get alongside kids and say, I care about you. You matter to me. I, I admire the good I see in you. These kind of words, they'll nurture a child's worth and security and, and many times a child will reap benefits for the rest of his life because of affirming words that were spoken over him or her when they were young. But I want to challenge you here this morning because maybe, maybe you could identify with this. Maybe there's a child in your life who you know that words of affirmation um, really connect with them. For us, in our busy lives, we have to be very intentional in that. Because words of affirmation aren't this. Words of affirmation aren't, yeah, good job, honey. When she said, Dad, did you see that? And you were kind of flicking through your phone. You're like, yeah, good job, honey. That's not words of affirmation. Words of affirmation is when we push pause. And we get down on one knee or, or we get eye to eye and we say, hey, listen, you played really great out there today. That picture is really good. I love the colors you used. Maybe you're involved with um, kids who have multiple siblings. This is a word of affirmation that you may uh, find yourself saying, hey, I'm really proud of the way you responded there. I can see you're really trying. For some kids, words of affirmation are a, a great way to show love. But not all. Not all kids. Some, it might be this third one. Because the third love language, as the book lays out, is quality time. What's that? Well, quality time is, is focused, undivided attention time. Do you know, some children feel loved the most when they are given a block of your intentional time. That's where they feel loved the most. Here's how I know this to be true, that some kids are wired this way. So, so there's actually a test you can do on the website. Before the sermon's done, I'm going to share with you the link to get to that. So you can actually go and, and you as, as parents or grandparents, you can sit with the, the child or the teenager in your life. They've got different tests for different ages. And they can take these tests. And at the end, the results will show what their strongest love language is of the five. So the way the test works, um, especially in the younger children, is that they are given two scenarios. If your mom and dad were to say one of the following two phrases to you, which one would you like to hear the most? They're both good phrases, but, but they'll lean to different love languages. So they circle which one they, they like the best, and at the end you tally them all up, and it, it gives you an indication of which are the strongest love languages uh, in the child in your life. So here's how I know that not only does the test work, but that there are kids designed who quality time is what their love language is. My daughter Emma is seven years old, and we took the test with Emma. We helped her do the test, and, and we were only on question two, and I, I was doing it with her in case she sat next to me, and we, we thought she hadn't really understood it. Because the, the question, the second question was, pick from these two, Emma, which one you would circle if we were to say it to you. The first is, I've got a special birthday present for you. The second is, I'll help you with your project. She said the second. So I'm like, oh, she hasn't 
understood how this is working. You're meant to circle the, like the best one of the two. So I'm like, no, wait, Emma, you don't understand. The, the best of the two. So like, of, um, I've got a special birthday present for you, or I'll help you with your project. She goes, well, the second one, help you with my project. She goes, it's just fun to hang out with you guys. I was like, wow, yeah, that's how I was. I was like, oh. But it showed that to her, that was more important than a present, which is great. That's going to save me a lot of money over the next 15 years. <laughs> but the idea, so as we went through and we tallied, guess what her top love language was? Quality time. To her, in the mind of this seven-year-old, that's how I receive love. It's that, that special time with mom and dad, just that quality time. And some of you may have a, a kid in your life that you've been giving gifts or you've been giving physical affection, but actually what they're, they're looking for is just quality time. So this will help you not just love the child in your life, but love intentionally in the way they were designed to receive love. So the fourth love language this morning is gifts. Gifts can be a powerful expression of love at the time they're given, and often they, they actually last much longer than the, the value of the gift itself. The most meaningful gifts can become symbols of love in the life of a child. And some of your kids are wired in such a way that gifts are their love language. There are kids in here right now that are elbowing their parents going, that's me, Dad. That's, I love it. Just keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep the gifts coming. And here's the thing. Here's something fascinating because as I did this, um, it turns out that Ben, my oldest son, this is his top love language. He did the test and his highest score was in gifts. I was thinking about it, I was like, that's funny, because I've not really seen that a lot in Ben as we've given him gifts, but then I had this, this I remember this situation, that, and you'll, you'll see this in the life of the kids in your life, is that sometimes you'll identify their love language, not just in the way that they receive love, but even the way that they give love. When I was looking at Ben's results, I remembered a time that he got to go with a friend to celebrate his birthday, and his, his mom was taking them up to Chicago. They were going to get to go up to the city and do some cool stuff, stay the night and spend the whole next day there. So I said, okay, Ben, you're going to be up there for like two whole days. So, so here's 40 bucks, all right, because I want to make sure that we cover your meals while you're up there, you know. So um, this is for your food. This is for your lunch and your dinner. There'll be breakfast in the hotel, but for lunch the next day as well. So he's like, okay, Dad. So he comes back the next day. I was like, how was it? He goes, oh, it's brilliant. He's telling me all these stories about being up in the top of the Willis Tower and looking out and all this great fun they had. I was like, did you have any money left? You spent it all? He goes, well, she paid for all the meals. I was like, awesome. That's cool. Like those kind of birthday parties. So um, give us the money back. He goes, oh, I spent it all. It's like that money was for food. What would you spend it on? He goes, this. And he pulls out a plastic bag that says the Willis Tower on the outside. And I get a mug with the Willis Tower on the outside. And then uh, Casey and the siblings get um, uh, key rings with the Willis Tower on one side. And uh, number one mum, princess and William, all on their key rings, and I'm out 40 bucks. But um, he was so excited that he was able to give these gifts. I mean, he just, he was like, and I'm thinking, wow. He was there, and, and all he was thinking about was wanting to bring a gift back because that was his way of expressing love. That's the way he receives love, and it costs me money. But that's okay, so maybe the child in your life gifts is a way that you can show love to them. You know, the fifth and final love language is acts of service. Acts of service. And, and at this point, all the mums in the room are like, whoa, time out here. Acts of service? 
That's the love language. That, that's why I'm having a day today. Because the other 364 days of the year, that's all I do for my kids. It's acts of service. I mean, how do you think they get ready for school? How do you think that? You know, that's, that's what us mums do. Do you guys remember that video last year? It was like a viral video. It was online on Facebook, and it was, um, it was a, a, a pretend interview for a job. All these people applied for this job, and, and when they arrived, the, the, um, the requirements for this, it was the world's toughest job interview, it said. that they, they involved over 135 hours of work a week. Um, training in medicine, finance, and culinary arts would be, would be preferable. Um, the workload goes up for this particular position around Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the holidays. And the salary is nothing. And these people who have been interviewed are like, that's ridiculous. I don't think that's even legal. I'm not going to do a job like that. And then at the end, the big reveal was actually the job was for mum. And she's already been doing that. She's done that for you. And then these people talked about their mums, and it was just really cute. But the reality is that we could all sit here and say, well, as mums and dads, that's all we do for our kids. But the reality is I'm not talking about those kind of acts of service. In the book, it talks more about the idea of, of, of the experience of, of maybe when I'm sitting down with my kid and I'm helping them with that project for school. Some kids, that's the greatest way of demonstrating love to them because you're helping them do something and, and they love having mom or dad help them. And I say that because some of you are like, well, I know my kid's like that because he just doesn't want my help at all. He's got it. He's like, mom, I got it. I don't need your help. I want to do this. I want to. But there are some, they love having that help. Maybe it's taking them, driving them to a friend's house, driving them to a sports um, practice, not because we have to, but because we want to demonstrate our love for them. Those are the kind of acts of service that some kids just connect with. That's how they experience and feel love. So I want to encourage you that maybe one of those five love languages is the love language that your child connects with. Let's not forget what Paul said when he was talking to the church in Philippi. He said, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests or how you feel and receive love, but each of you to the interests of others. Look into the way. Maybe you're not wired this way, but how can I love the child in my life the way that they experience love? So let me help you. There's going to be a, a link to the website up here. It's fivelovelanguages.com. Um, in case you forget that, you have my permission to pull your phones out right now and just text the word marble to 313131. Just text one word marble to 313131. It'll send you a text straight back with a link to the website. You can click on that link and you can actually do the test on your phone. You can, uh, you can have your kids do the test. You can send it to your laptop and, and print it. Um, you can, uh, you, there's even tests there for couples. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it'll be a little good refresher gift to mom for dad to let, you know, mom and dad take the love languages test and see how you're scoring on, on hitting her love languages. But listen, next Sunday, we're having a baby dedication here in our service. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to join with eight families and pray with them as they start their journey. Their, their marble jar is full. And we're going to wrap up this whole series, this whole idea of how these words and, and how we have time. Because we're going to be talking specifically about some families that are on the very beginning of their journey with their marbles. And I'd love for you to be there and hear that as we kind of wrap up this whole idea. But as we close out this morning, can I just read one more verse to you about love? Just before we close out this morning, let me read one more verse. It's found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
I talked earlier, didn't I, about that, that love that only a mother can give, that whether it's your own mom or a, when you were growing up, a mom in your life, and you're like, man, I just, I could really tell that she loved me. There's just something about a mom's love. Do you know God's love just blows that out of the water? God's love for every one of us is so much greater than even the greatest mom's love for you. And here's how great his love was. I've, maybe you're here this morning and you're visiting. Maybe you're a guest. Maybe you're here because mom said, hey, it's Mother's Day. We're all going to church. But whatever, whatever reason it is you're here this morning, I want every one of you to know God loves you so much. And the, this verse demonstrates that um, even when our lives were a mess, even when we hadn't figured stuff out, even when everything was, was out of control, God still sent Jesus to die for us. That's how much he loves us. And I want you to, to respond to that love this morning. I want you to, to receive that love. The greatest thing we can do in response to a gift of love is, is accept it. And I don't want you to miss out on the chance. As we talk about moms and how great they are and how much they love us, I don't want you to miss out on the chance of responding to how much God loves us even more. So we're going to pray to close out here. And um, you've got a connection card there. You can check a box to say, I, I want to know more about this. I, I want to... Follow Jesus the way I've heard him spoken about. Maybe you came with a friend or a family member this morning. And you want to have a discussion with them. Say, you know, tell me more about this love that God has for me. Maybe it's contacting a leader at a church. But don't miss out. As we've talked about love this morning. As we've talked about the love of a mother on Mother's Day. As we've talked about specifically how we can best love the kids in our life. I don't want you to leave without hearing just this, this last thought of just how much God loves every one of you. So, Father, I just pray for us all right now, Lord. I pray you'd give us the wisdom and insight to figure out the love languages of the kids in our lives so that we could not just let them know that we love them, but be intentional, Lord, even if it doesn't come naturally to us, to, to go out of our way to spend quality time with the kid in our life that likes quality time, to get down and, and look the kid in our life who just experiences love through words of affirmation, to get down with them eye to eye and say, you are just a great person. Whatever their love language is, help us to identify it and to meet them at that point. And then, Father, I pray for everyone here that they would know that whatever love language is for them, that, God, you love them. Your love language to us was sending your son Jesus to die in our place. That's how you demonstrated your love for us. So, God, I pray that no one would miss out on responding to that love today. In Jesus' name.